talk to certain people. It's just, it's not worth the effort sometimes. And, and I even know uh, Brother Hagin tells a story. Uh, he doesn't often mention a name, but uh, the Lord had told him to go talk to Jack Cole back years ago. Anybody know, heard of Jack Cole? He was one of the healing evangelists. And they said he's probably one of the greatest healing evangelists of his time. They said he had a, a huge stage and was filled with, with crutches and wheelchairs and just spectacular healings, you know, just amazing, you know, uh, beyond belief types of healings, uh, but he would have a he would have a spectacular healing, and he would stop the service and receive an offering. Well, what are you going to give if you just see an amazing uh, healing? You're going to give everything. You know, you know, you're going to give your grandmother's money away. You're going to give your children's education money away. You're, you're going to write it all. You know, give it all away. Well, that's manipulation. You ought not do that. Amen. That's you shouldn't do things like that. And, and they said that he was just one of the meanest people, one of the meanest ministers you ever met, just, just mean to people and other ministers. Uh, and, and the words that Brother Hagin uh, used is, uh, he was big as a horse and he ate like one too. Uh, and so he was just a really big fella, you know. And the Lord said, you go talk to him. And you go tell him about those three things, about finances, about walking in love, uh, and, uh, and about his, uh, his eating habits. And, and he said, Lord, how, how do much want to go do that? Uh, and, but he finally did go, but when he went there, he just, it just didn't work out for him to, to talk to him about it. And so he never did. But the Lord said, if you don't talk to him, he said, in two years, he'll be dead. Uh, and I'll judge him because, uh, because he won't do what I... Because you think the Lord was telling him to, to straighten up on those areas? He was. The Lord will always talk to you first. He won't go talk to someone else first to come talk to you. He'll attempt to talk to you first. And if you're too slow or rebellious to hear, he will oftentimes, because he's kind and he wants you to... to not, uh, not fall into judgment, he will have somebody else to come talk to you. You know, of course, we, a lot of times we take offense that someone comes to talk to us, but we should see it as a mercy of the Lord that, you know, he's trying to help me out without, you know, causing me to, uh, to leave this earth. Uh, and, so, and so the Lord spoke that to him, that he was going to die at such such time, and, and he, he wrote it down, put it in a safe, and he called his friend Gordon Lindsay, and he told him what the Lord told him. He didn't tell anybody else, but he told him what the Lord told him, and of course, uh, sure enough, within two years that he was gone, he died at 38 years old. Well, just think if he had lived, um, you know, at 38 years old, that was back in the 50s, you know, I mean, he could, you know, he'd be kind of old now, but, uh, you know, he'd be just 100 years old or so, maybe even over 100. So he probably may not have lived this long, but he would have lived in my lifetime. I would have seen him and heard of him and, and probably went to go see him, and, uh, and yet he died early, much earlier than he should have, uh, because... Uh, you know, he, he didn't want to follow the grace of God and, and do what the Lord told him to do. And, and, you know, the grace of God is there. The grace of God is also helpful when the Lord corrects you because he'll give you the strength and the ability to change course, amen? So it's not just he may come tell you to, to repent and do something different. And a lot of folks, it's really hard to change, especially if it's a big thing, right? You know, maybe you have, have fought healing all your, all your Christian life and then suddenly you get the revelation that maybe God does heal can you then start telling people I was wrong for all those years? Can you tell people that, you know, I, I just, I didn't believe it. In fact, I preached against it. In fact, I was mad about it, but I realize it's true now. And uh, could you do that? Do you have the, would you have the capacity to do that, right? Uh, and, you know, if you can get to where, like where we read earlier in Philippians, if you can get to where you have no reputation, well, people are going to think that I'm just, I don't, if, if I'm wrong, I must be wrong about everything. Well, I don't care, you know, you do I care if, I, if you think I'm wrong about everything? I mean, how many things do I tell you that I've, you know, doctrine that I've had wrong or things that I've done wrong? And I mean, I've told you lots of stories because, I mean, if that makes you think less of me, then, I mean, 
you have nothing in your closet, you have no skeletons in your closet, you've never made a mistake. And, and so, uh, but a lot of times it's really hard for folks to ever admit that they're wrong because they're afraid that people, uh, they have a reputation. They, you know, I want to be seen to be this guy, right, or this person. Uh, and um, once you get rid of that reputation, then it doesn't matter. It, you know, how people see you, it just doesn't matter. Now, and now it, it's not, some people have that attitude in the sense that they're just going to be hateful to everybody and they don't care. Well, that's not the attitude. You know, you can be kind to everybody, but still not care what they think of you. Uh, and so, so the grace of God is there to help you change as well. And it's a valuable, it's a valuable tool because uh, whenever the Lord tells me to repent about something and I see that, you know, changing my flesh in that area, oftentimes it's things dealing with your flesh or putting your flesh under in, in, a, in, a, uh, in a way that you've not done before. Uh, oftentimes that takes some effort, especially just training yourself and, and getting into the habit of doing that thing. And so I always tell the Lord, what are, we gonna, what are we going to do to change this? Because I want his strength, I want his wisdom, I want his ability there to help me because I don't want to do it on my own. I, you know, I don't want to ever say I'm a self-made man. Some people think that's a, that's a great, I'm a self-made man. Now, I, I, I don't know there's anything I've done on my own, amen, uh, as far as becoming the person that I am. I've done it all. Uh, Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians 15 that I am what I am by the grace of God. And we should be who we are by the grace of God, not by, because of our intelligence or hard work or, or you know, trickery or whatever the things is. We should never claim to be who we are because we're such amazing people, amen? We should be who we are because of the amazing grace of God that he's given to us. So, uh, so Chris is, is on her way. She's probably in the air right now. It's a little bit after 7 o'clock, so she's between here and there. Uh, and um, I think she's probably, she's probably in Atlanta right now. She'd be landing in, um, when you fly from Atlanta to, to Chattanooga, basically you get an airplane, you buckle up, they take off, and then they immediately land. And so it's like a 20-minute flight. It's, it's a very short flight. Uh, and so <clears throat> uh, she'll be landing here shortly and to be with us uh, on Friday night for prayer. Um, and so let's pray, and then we'll get into the Word tonight. So, Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for blessing us each and every day. And, Father, we thank you that, that uh, we can come to your Word humbly, and expect, Father, by faith to have a confident expectation that your spirit will reveal and teach and instruct. And so, Father, we yield to him. And as he reveals, Father, we accept. As he teaches us, Father, we, we allow that to be true in our hearts and our lives. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here in Philippians uh, chapter 3, we'll continue uh, here. We got down to verse 11 last week. Uh, and Paul was talking about that uh, uh, by, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. And so uh, the, resur- res- the resurrection of the dead for Jesus was when he obtained full and complete victory uh, in every area of, of his ministry uh, and his life in that. And so uh, that's the resurrection that we want. That's, that's our goal, to, to attain to that, right? To reach that particular goal. Uh, and, uh, and the uh, beginning of that verse, if by any means. And so that's for us, you know, what are you willing to do to uh, reach perfection in your life? What are you willing to give up? What are you willing to admit? What are you willing to, to, uh, to change in your life? You know, it's, it's not that you've got to go in, in, uh, uh, and lay out all your dirty laundry to people around you all the time. Uh, but a lot of times the Lord wants you to change and, and do things and do things differently. Uh, and that's, uh, uh, are you willing to do it by any means? Amen. Uh, uh, one of the one of my favorite uh, uh, quotes from Dr. Les Summerall uh, said that he, it said 
he said it, it never ceases to amaze him that the lengths that people will go uh, to avoid uh, five minutes of soul-cleansing shame. You know, just like five minutes, right? Five minutes of, hey, you know, you're wrong. Yeah, you're right. I mean, five minutes over, amen? Uh, but they will, they will hang on for decades and never admit that they're wrong. Never admit, and, you know, it's not that we have to be in shame, but just, uh, but sometimes acknowledging your error is, is shameful to us, right? The Lord's not putting shame on us, but just in our own flesh, it's shameful to us. In our minds, it's shameful. But, but it's helpful to admit that. It's helpful to admit that they're wrong. Uh, and some people will just decade, I mean, year after year, I, I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. You sound like you're wrong. Even if I don't know this, you know, just your attitude sounds like you're wrong to me. Uh, and so uh, it's uh, soul-cleansing shame. We always like that phrase, soul-cleansing, five minutes of soul-cleansing shame. Uh, and so are you willing to do whatever it takes by any means? Amen. And that's a good encouraging, I think it's a good encouraging verse because Paul said, if by any means I might attain to the, you know, to have this goal to uh, achieve complete and total victory in my life. Uh, and then it comes down to verse 12. It says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Uh, and so, you know, the thing I like about uh, Paul here, uh, in fact, as I was studying this verse a while back, the Lord just, uh, in fact, he was kind of getting onto my case about this because I have often said, well, you know, you're never going to reach perfection, but it's worth the effort. And, you know, that sounds like a valid statement, except that's not what Paul said. Paul said, I, I haven't yet done that, but he never says, I'm never going to make it. And, and I have often said, you know, you're not going to make it. And, you know, you're trying to be realistic in, in those things. Uh, but what am, I, what am I doing? Well, I'm declaring my future, that I will never, I'll never get there. So, could I have gotten closer than my, than my confession has allowed me? Well, maybe, uh, but my confession is constraining my life. My confession is saying I'll never get there, so I will never get there, amen? And so I've had to change my confession that, you know, I'm not perfect yet. And that's fine, amen, because uh, that, that's a, a valid statement. But, I, you know, but I'm going to remove the, the, the footnote there that, and I never will be, amen? Uh, well, will I be? We're going to leave that alone, amen? Uh, I'm not going to use my confession to constrain my future, and, but oftentimes we do that. Amen. So, so I like the way he said that, not that as though I had already attained or either were already perfect. Uh, and then, you know, the second half of the verse, uh, I've always thought that the second half of that verse is a very uh, poorly translated uh, part of the verse, because you read that and say, what is he saying, right? Uh, but I follow after, well, okay, that we know what that means, that he's following after, right? He's following after the Lord there. If that uh, I may apprehend or grasp or obtain, okay, that's fine. We know, but then the last part of that, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. So that's, that's a little confusing. I'm going to read the Amplified. The Amplified is slightly better than the King James, right? It's, not, it's still not clear, but we'll, we'll, we'll get some clear, uh, clarity here in just a minute. It's not that hard of a verse, but uh, it, it's just that, uh, you know, sometimes it's just really hard to convey in one language what another language spoke, amen? And so... Um, so the amplified version of that says, not that I have already obtained it, this goal of being Christ-like, or have already been made perfect, but I actively press on so that I may take hold of that perfection for which Christ Jesus took hold of me and made me his own. So the thing that he's trying to obtain there, right, that he, hasn't, uh, that he may apprehend that, the thing that he's trying to apprehend is the perfection that the Lord Jesus has obtained him 
to allow him to reach. Amen. So, so uh, we're, what he's saying is, uh, I'm following after the Lord that I may apprehend or obtain that perfection. And then he, the last part of that, uh, apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. So, so the Lord apprehended us with the goal of making us perfect. Uh, and so he, he apprehended us or he obtained us. He, he grabs a hold of us because he wants us to be perfect, but we can only be perfect in him. And so Paul said, that's what I'm trying to attain or, or trying to apprehend. Uh, and so he's trying to reach perfection. So he's following after that he, that he may reach uh, perfection, which is what Christ Jesus uh, also apprehended us to obtain, right? He, uh, he obtained us or he apprehended us so that we could all reach perfection. Uh, and of course, uh, regardless of how far we get, if we, if we make it all the way in this life, that's great. Uh, if we don't make it in this life, then when we, when we get to heaven, of course, uh, we will we'll achieve that. Amen. So, so Paul, Paul is just saying here, I haven't made it yet, but I'm going to continue to press forward to obtain that goal. Uh, and, and that should be our goal. Amen. Uh, it's okay to say you haven't uh, made, made it to perfection, but um, it's also okay uh, to say that I'm going to continue to press in. Amen. Uh, and, and, and sometimes, you know, uh, I remember uh, my pastor made this statement years ago, and I always thought it was a valuable statement. Uh, he said a lot of times when the Lord reveals uh, shortcomings in our life, you know, he may say, hey, you know, you're, you're really short-tempered or you're really easy to be depressed or you're really easy to, to get into fear, or, you know, whatever the thing is, amen? Uh, and everybody... Uh, probably has areas in their life that they need to work on. Amen. I haven't met anybody that's perfect. perfect. Have you? Uh, I mean, uh, a lot of times people think the only person I ever see that's perfect is when I look in the mirror. Uh, but uh, realistically, you're probably not there. Amen. Uh, and so what things uh, are you working on? Well, sometimes the Lord will say, I need you to work on this. How you treat your spouse or how you treat your boss or how you talk about your pastor or how you attend church or, you know, whatever the thing is. It doesn't matter what the thing is, but whatever the thing is. Uh, and then sometimes people will, will get the revelation that I need to change that. And then they think about the effort it's going to take to change. And oftentimes I think it's, it, it's, it, it's going to take too much. It's, going to, it's too big of a job to change. And they never, they never attempt it. They never try. They never start. Uh, and, and the thing that my pastor said, he said, all you've got to do is start. Just start down that path. Amen. Uh, and, and it may take a while to get there. But if you never start, you're surely not going to get there. If you start, you may actually get there before longer, uh, in, in a shorter time than you realize. Amen? Uh, and so uh, we, should, we should never take a revelation from the Lord that he wants us to, to add to our life uh, and say, Lord, that it's too much work to uh, incorporate that revelation into my life. Because uh, oftentimes what will happen is if, in fact, we're there in Philippians 3, let's turn over to, to Hebrews chapter 6. Um, you know, this just gives us a little insight about how the Lord operates. So here in, in um, Philippians chapter 6, he starts on verse 1. He says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. So uh, he's telling us here that there are principles, uh, basic principles of the doctrine of Christ, he said, uh, we need to, now when he says, leave those, he doesn't mean forsake them and forget that you, but, you know, once you get these down, go on, right? Don't just, just try to, and, and, you know, 
uh, you've, already, you've already achieved those areas in your life. Now go on to other things, amen? Because he's calling these basic principles. These are fundamental principles. Uh, so they're not the only principles, but they're the fundamental basic principles, kind of getting started principles. And so he said, once you get those, let's go on to perfection or to maturity, not laying again. Then he lists the, uh, the fundamental principles of the doctrine of Christ, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. Uh, well, uh, if... Uh, uh, Basically, a dead work is anything that does not, does not have the life of God in it, right? So, because the definition of dead, oftentimes in the New Testament, is talking about that which doesn't have the life of God, not that which doesn't exist or has come to an end. And so, there's a lot of works that the world is doing that are dead works. They're good from a, from a natural standpoint. They're helping people, clothing people, you know, feeding people, but they're dead because they're not motivated or, or infused with, with the life of God. Uh, and so... Uh, uh, and a lot of the church gets involved in dead works. You know, they may be good, but uh, if God hasn't instructed you to do that, then the life of God is not in that work. Amen. And so you can't judge whether a work is good or not based on on the results or who you're uh, who you're assisting. Uh, you have to determine whether a work is a is a living work, whether or not it's the will of God for you to do that. Amen. Because are we all called to do the same stuff? We're not all called to do the same stuff. We've got individual things that God has called us to do. Generally speaking, we all will all have common things that we'll do, like uh, preach the gospel. That's to the whole church. Amen. Um, and, and even, you know, clothing the naked and feeding the poor, those things are, are fine to do. Uh, but if, you're, if your whole ministry is, if that's your primary focus, uh, if uh, the Lord said, uh, uh, he never said go into all the world and feed people. He never said go into the world and clothe people. He never said go into the world and build houses for them. He said go into the world and preach the gospel. So if you're using feeding and the clothing as a means to preach the gospel, well, that's fine. But if you're only doing that and, and that's really it, you're not really providing any spiritual food for them, then, then you've elevated some natural work above that which we're all called to do. Amen. And sometimes the church does that. We'll get involved in natural things. You know, maybe it's tutoring or maybe it's, you know, whatever the thing is, uh, anger management classes, uh, just different things. And I'm not opposed to any of those things, but if they elevate, if they're elevated above the call of God on the church, then, um, then you'll have to decide for yourself, is this a living work uh, that God is, has uh, ordained or is this something that you just want to do? Amen. Uh, that's not for me to judge, but uh, it is something to consider. Uh, faith towards God, we, he said that's a fundamental principle. People say faith is hard, but he calls it a basic entry-level principle. This is not... Faith is not hard. Is faith hard? Faith is really simple. Do you believe what God said? Not really harder than that. Amen. It's just simple as that. Um, doctrine of, of uh, baptisms is that singular or plural? Verse 2 there. Is baptism singular or plural? It's plural, right? So, so is there more than one baptism a Christian will go through in their life? Well, sure. Do we know what the three primary baptisms that, a Christian, that every Christian should go through? What's the first one? Baptism in the body of Christ, right? That's salvation. You get baptized into the body of Christ, right? According to, to the book of Romans. Uh, what's the second one? Baptism in water, right? And then the third one? Baptism in the Holy Spirit, right? So those are the three, three baptisms that every Christian goes through. Now, there may be other baptisms like baptism of fire. You know, the Lord talks about that. You know, that's, that's not something we want to sign up for, but if it's on our path, then that's okay, right? But uh, anybody want to sign up for it? Lord, give me a, you know, baptism of fire. Um, you know, that's, uh, uh, we're not, we don't shy away from it, but, you know, we're not going to necessarily go into that lane if that's not our lane. 
Uh, so those are the three primary baptisms of laying on of hands. Well, that's a basic principle. Uh, we, we use, uh, we're not going to go through all of it, but laying on of hands is primarily for transferring of the healing anointing, but it can also be used for ordaining Christians, right? The, the, uh, the Bible talks about that, ordaining people into office, uh, into the offices of the church. Uh, and so that's a valid use of uh, the laying on of hands. Amen. Remember, Jesus uh, laid hands on the children and just blessed them. So just blessing people, that's a valid use of the laying on of hands. Amen. Well, you're blessing them still by the power of God. Uh, and so uh, uh, it's, a, it's a good uh, doctrine to establish. The resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. So we should know what our future should be. Amen. So he says, uh, not laying again these fundamental principles. And so he said, we should press on. Let us go on into maturity. But verse 3 says, and this we will do if what? If God permits. So who's going to permit you to go on and to be promoted into the next level of your life, the next phase of your life? Well, the Lord will, right? And so if the Lord comes and says, well, I need you to do this, change this or perfect that, and you say, Lord, I don't want to do that. That's too much work. Do you think the Lord will promote you anyway? And I don't mean promotion like, you know, I was a door greeter, now I'm an usher, you know, I was an usher, now I'm a head usher, I was a head usher, now I'm, you know, uh, I'm a, you know on, the, on the church board, you know, whatever it is. That's not the promotion that I'm talking about. It's promotion of revelation, right, into other areas of here's things to know and learn about the Lord that uh, if you can't move past where the Lord wanted you to be, then he, you know, now I'm not him, amen? It's not, up for, he's not going to ask me, should I do this, right? He never has anyway uh, for that. That's between you and, and the Lord. But, uh, but if he says this, this we will do if God permits, so that implies that sometimes God may not permit that, amen? And, and so what are we doing that would hinder us from doing that? Well, for sure, if we refuse to change when the Lord instructs us to change, then uh, that may be a hindrance in our life, amen? So just, just know, you know, uh, some people sometimes they'll say things like, I just never seem to get ahead, you know, spiritually. And, and you know, without realizing, oftentimes they tell off on themselves. So, well, what haven't you done the Lord's asking you to do? Well, I rarely do what the Lord asks me to do. And so, right, well, then that's, you know, maybe start there. Amen. Uh, again, I'm not anybody's judge. That's between you and the Lord. Uh, but we should, have the, we should have awareness of these verses to understand that there is progression in the Lord. We can increase in the Lord. And, and, um, uh, and it doesn't mean that, you know, I'm a pastor and uh, may, he's going to promote me to be an apostle or something. Uh, he may never change my position as far as being a pastor in the, in the body of Christ. But there'll be other revelations that he wants to, to give to me that, uh, that I may never obtain because I'm not in the position to do that uh, by my own choices. Amen. And so, uh, so just know that um, um, there are things that, uh, that we need to do by any means. Amen. And that we should we should strive after uh, perfection in our in our lives there, and then he gets down to verse thirteen, and uh, my opinion is Philippians three thirteen is one of the most amazing verses in, in, in as far as your Christian walk goes in all the Bible, and it's just kind of tucked right here in the middle of some things. Uh, you know, he doesn't say a whole lot about this in particular before or after, but he but he has this verse here, and. Uh, we'll just read the verse, first of all. So he says, Brethren, uh, uh, I count not myself to have apprehended. Well, that's kind of what he said at the beginning of verse 12. I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forget, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth 
unto those things which are, which are before. And then verse 14 says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So really 13 and 14 uh, really go together there. Uh, but uh, but we, he starts out with, with, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. So that's basically what he said before, but uh, he used this word uh, count here. Uh, and uh, the, the definition I liked about the word count here is inventory. I've taken inventory of my life, and I, and I, and I have realized I'm not perfect yet. How many times or how many Christians are often taking inventory of their own life? When you look at your own life, and Lord, am I doing what you want me to do? Am I saying the things you want me to say? Am I going where you want me to go? Am I, you know, am I studying the way you want me to study? Am I praying the way you... Lord, am I doing the things that you want me to do? I'm taking inventory of my life. And, and you know, a lot of times Christians will never uh, look to, the, to their own heart and their own life to see uh, if they're in the path that the Lord wants them to be on. Amen. And a lot of times they, they refuse to take inventory of their life because of fear. They're so afraid that the Lord's going to say, you know, no, you're so far, it's embarrassing. Amen. You're so far away from where I want you to be, you know, I'm, I'm embarrassed for you. Uh, and, and that may be, there may be a lot of fear in people's lives. Amen. Lord, am I living free from, from fear the way you want me to be? Amen. Uh, and, um, you know, we, we was talking to some folks uh, just recently about, about fear and how fear will control people. Uh, and, uh, and I, I know a lot of people, not just one or two, I know a lot of people who are afraid to drive, just afraid to drive. You know, they may drive in, you know, in Dayton, but they may not they be too afraid to drive like in a big city, even Chattanooga. And, you know, just for me, there's just something in me that's, you know, if I know that, look, uh, am I afraid of rattlesnakes? You know, I don't really know uh, that much I'm really afraid of. I mean, I, so I grew up being afraid of the dark. Uh, and, and I learned how to overcome that, and, and, just, and it, it, it took me all until I was an adult to overcome it, you know, because it, it was irrational, right? I mean, but, but still, it, you know, it is what it is. It's fear, amen? Uh, and so uh, we've, got to, uh, uh, we've got to take inventory of our own life, and we say, Lord, if that fear is controlling me, so that's taking inventory. Lord, that right there is controlling me, and I don't want anything to be controlling me except for you. So, Lord, let's fix that. See, that, that should be a valid thing that we do. Lord, you know, I just, I get, I get really grumpy about this thing over here. You know, if the cookies aren't made perfect, you know, I get really grumpy. Or if the, you know, the mashed potatoes are too lumpy, I'm, I'm really mad about it. Uh, well, see, that'd be taking an inventory of your life. Amen. Now, most of the time people say, well, it's her fault, you know, if, if she, I'm not saying it's your wife's job to make uh, mashed potatoes, you know, whatever, you, you, you do whatever you want to at your household. Uh, but... Uh, if that's the case, right, if uh, your wife is making lumpy mashed potatoes and it really, it really just galls you, that's something you should take inventory over. It's not her fault because, first of all, uh, you should be thankful that she even made them for you. Amen? Uh, and, um, uh, you know, I've been married for 33 years, and, and I've never complained to my wife that I know of. And of course, if she comes back, she can, she can uh, rebut this, but uh, anything she cooks. Now, she, you know, when we first got married, she was not a great cook. Amen. Uh, and, you know, there, there's, I don't know what it is, but there's, she has a genetic flaw. She is incapable of cooking fried chicken. I love fried chicken, but she just, she's tried it and, it, you know, and it comes out like, like it's, I don't know, like it's a buffalo or something. I, mean, I don't know what it, somehow it transmutes into something else and it's not fried chicken. And, and just like, 
Uh, and I don't know why. And I think she just doesn't, you know, because if you're going to cook fried, you've got to own it, right? You've got to put it in six gallons or large, you know, and, and she just, she has a hard time, you know, putting, you know, boiling something in, in hot boiling uh, uh, oil, right? Uh, and maybe that's it. I don't know. I'm not going to try and figure it out myself, of course, but, uh, you know, heaven forbid that, I would actually try cooking it myself. But, uh, but everything else, you know, she's a wonderful cook now. Uh, but there were a few things, you know, when we first got married, it's, you know, uh, you choke it down, you smile, amen, and, and um, I never complain, I mean, because what's the alternative? Well, you cook it. Well, I'm not going to cook it. I, you know, that's just, I never have enjoyed cooking. I don't like cooking, and and, um, uh, and, uh, and the few things I have cooked, all they do is laugh at me anyway, right? You cook that, you know, and, and so uh, I have been persecuted over my small cooking skills over the years, you know. Now, you know, I do help my wife, you know, uh, I'm um, the the sous, the sous chef. You know, I'll, I'll cut up vegetables and things for her, uh, uh, and uh, we we're doing it together. You know, sometimes these things right, where people can get offended because you're doing it for her. You should be doing it together. It's whatever. You know, uh, we do it together, and um, uh, but she does the majority of cooking, and and um, you know, is there anything wrong with my wife doing the majority of cooking? Well, I know, you know, uh, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Amen. Uh, I do a lot of things at the household. She takes care of that. And so that's our marriage. You work out your own marriage. Amen. And we're happy about that. Uh, she's not put under. I'm not put under. And, and I'm not an ogre about it. Uh, but, um, uh, but see, if, if I was one to... Uh, some husbands get so mad because they come home and dinner's not on the table. Uh, and, and, or if something's not cooked right, I mean, like fighting mad, like throw the plate across the, 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 the dining room mad because the, the meal's not cooked properly. Well, see, somebody should take inventory of that. Uh, you should take inventory of your own life. And my job is not to take inventory of your life because Paul said, uh, I count not myself. I inventory not myself to have apprehended, right? I have taken inventory of myself and I know that I have not made it. Well, if, the only way you know you've made it is if you see areas that you need to work on, amen? Anybody know any areas that they needed to work on in, in their life? Uh, well, we all do, amen. Uh, and um, hopefully, you just mentioning that, you should think, okay, I got at least these one or two things I hear. You know, if I say that, you know, have you taken inventory of your life? And your response, just in your own heart, is, yeah, I, I don't know anything I need to fix. Uh, and, and I'm thinking, well, that'd be a sad day right there. You know, it'd be really sad that to to look in the mirror and go, you know, you know, I, I'm so I can't even hard to stand myself. You know, uh, and um, you know, I. I uh, a friend of mine was was uh, they uh, he had gotten terminal cancer, and and another friend of mine's pastor uh, went uh, to go talk to him in the hospital. He said, you know, I heard that you got terminal cancer. You're not going to survive. Uh, he said, is there anything that you know of that you need to repent of? Uh, and the fellow said, looked at him, said, no, I don't think so. I'm like, what? You know, I mean, I've known that fellow for years. I could have given him a list, right? I mean, you know, you know somebody for, you know anybody for any period of time, you go, yeah, you probably need to work on that, right? I mean, I've been in, I've been in, in conversations with, with other ministers, you know, and their wife would come up and say something. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, uh, take inventory of that buddy right there, right? Take inventory of it, because she didn't do anything. She just said something, and you bit her head off, and, uh, and um uh, it just, again, it's not my job to, to judge anybody or to tell anybody that they're wrong. But, um, you know, if somebody asked me that question, is there anything that you need to repent of or, you know, to change, really, because that's what to repent means, I mean, I can give you a whole list of things, right? I mean, it's not like I'm a terrible person, but 
there's always things that I'm trying to be better at, amen? Uh, and, um, and, and, you know, I may even drudge up something, you know, all the way back in high school uh, and think, well, you know, I wasn't, you know, I was not a perfect person in high school. Do you, you know that? Do you, you realize that? Does that make you think worse of me? Uh, and so, uh, you know, it's, uh, now I was a pretty good fella, but I mean, I wasn't perfect, amen? I never robbed anybody or stole anybody or cheated off anybody or anything like that. Uh, but I wasn't a per- perfect person. I didn't cuss or drink or smoke or anything like that. But, um, uh, and so, but taking account of my own life, I, you know, I see where I would have totally done things differently today if I was the same person then as I am today. Amen. Uh, and so Paul says, I count not myself to have apprehended. So I have taken inventory of my life. Uh, uh, and I have not achieved perfection yet. But then he says, but this one thing I do, so, so this is an amazing verse, right? One thing. He doesn't have a list. He doesn't uh, say you've got to do all, you know, uh, A through Z to do the, you know, there's no 12-step 12, 12, 12 program. He said one thing, one thing you've got to do. Uh, and if we could learn this, uh, then it'd be, it'd be a great thing, right? So what does, he, what does he say? He said, I forget those things which are behind, reach forth into those things which are before, and I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of, of God in Christ Jesus. So he's... Uh, his one thing is three things, right? Uh, but they're all, you can't do one without the other, so that's why he, it's just a singular thing, right? You, you have to do all of these for it to be uh, complete in your life. Uh, but the first thing he says is, uh, I forget those things which are behind. Now that phrase right there, forgetting those things which are behind, uh, this would help so many Christians uh, if you could live this way. Because uh, this uh, it, it's such a powerful statement that you, that, that first of all, if Paul says the one thing that you can do is to forget those things that are behind, first of all, you can do it. Amen? How many times people say, I can't forget? Then, that's, then the word of God is invalid. Then this is not true. Then when you rip this verse out of the Bible and get rid of it, it is not true. It's 100% true. You have the capacity to forget those things that are behind. And when I say forget, you know, it doesn't, doesn't even necessarily mean that, that it's wiped from your memory. It just, it has no, it has no uh, weight in your life. You ever thought about something that somebody did, uh, you know, and it could have been a long time ago. It might have been yesterday. But you think about something they did and immediately all those emotions, the anger, the bitterness, or the unforgiveness, or the, you know, the wrath, or the hurt feelings, or whatever, whatever the response you had back then that, that was real, it's still there when you remember that. Amen? See, that's not, you haven't forgotten it. But if you can think, oh, yeah, that happened, and it's no more real to you than if you read about some anonymous person in the paper that something happened to them, see, then you've forgotten it. It's not, it's not part of your life, amen? But this is really hard for people to do, it, and it, it, the reason it, it is, uh, that it's hard for them to do is because they don't want to let it go. Uh, they, they're, they're hoping and praying that that person will suffer for what they did for you. And it's essentially unforgiveness is what it is, but, uh, but it's still real to you. And, and, and he says, the, the thing is, though, he says, forgetting those things which lie behind. So there's, there's really three main areas of things that you need to forget that are behind you. And the way that I see it is, when did it happen? A minute ago. Okay, it's over. It's, it's, if it's a minute, then it's over. Amen. Can you change it? No. Well, then it doesn't matter. Right? When did it happen? 18 years ago. Then it's over. And we have such a hard time with that because because think well it's only been an hour. I mean once after a minute you know and we'll give you sixty seconds just because we're going to give you you know a little bit of a little bit of a, a buffer there right. Uh, 
but uh, if it's been more than 60 seconds, it should be over. Uh, and, and, you know, that's really hard for people to do. But Paul says you've got to forget those things that lie behind. So uh, number one is what has anybody ever done to you? If they did it to you yesterday, then it's behind you. Amen? And so it can't be any more real to you today than it was, than if it, than, uh, if it never happened. And, and can you do that? Paul said, this one thing I do, I forget those things that lie behind. So the, so, uh, the way that you forget uh, primarily what somebody's done to you is forgiveness. Amen? If you just, with all sincerity, and we talked about that on Sunday, right? What does the word forgive means? Anybody remember? It means to pardon, right? Uh, and, and the thing about pardon is it's you as an act of your will. You choose, no, nobody's doing it for you, you choose to grant somebody a pardon for the things that they've done wrong. Uh, you know, I have never received a pardon in my life as far as any criminal activity. You know why? I've never, well, I haven't been caught at doing anything, right? <laughs> I really haven't done anything anyway, right? Uh, but, uh, uh, but the reason I don't need a pardon because I've never been uh, arrested for a crime. Amen. So I don't need a pardon. I've never done anything wrong that would require a pardon. Amen. My friend, my brother Randy, who happens to be his birthday today. Happy birthday, brother Randy, if you're watching. Um, uh, you know, he required a pardon. He had a whole list of things he did, right? He had a big, they showed him his, his file as a thick, you know, like a one-inch thick file, you know. I go there, there's, there's just, it's empty, right? It's like just you open it up and just cobwebs. There's nothing there, right? Uh, and so uh, what, what, uh, what anybody has done to you, if you will pardon them, and see here, the, the, the thing about pardoning them is, uh, and, and over the next few weeks, we may be mentioning this several times because it's, it talks about on Sunday mornings and, and here on Wednesday nights. Uh, the thing about pardoning somebody is uh, they have no requirement on their part to do anything to receive your pardon. They're not required to repent. They're not required to apologize. They're not required to acknowledge their error of, of ways. They have no responsibility in you pardoning them. None. Zero. Now, in the real world, if you're going to receive a pardon, you typically have to have character witnesses, and you have to have approvals from your warden, approvals from your jailers, approvals from you know, other people that have watched your life and say, yeah, this guy's really doing the right thing. Amen? Uh, and so, so the, the governor, typically the governor is going to give you a pardon. He does it... Uh, based on, on your actions, right? Whether you deserve a pardon or not. In the Christian world, uh, we give pardons uh, unconditional uh, without any uh, requirement on the other person's part. If they continue in their path of being a, a terrible person, you still pardon them, amen? You pardon them for the things they did, amen? The, the, the things they did for you. Now, pardoning is not overlooking somebody's faults. It's not excusing their faults. In fact, the, in order to pardon them, you have to acknowledge their faults. They did this thing. And sometimes, you know, even if it's a perceived fault, you know, sometimes people, you know, well, they said that to me, that was really mean. And, you know, and of course, you've judged them as being uh, uh, with the intent of, of bringing harm into your life. And oftentimes, our judgment is in error. That we may think somebody intended to do something to harm us, and they had no intent at all. You ever been accused of something that you hadn't done? Uh, and you had no ill will in your heart, you know, well, I forgive you. Okay, that's great. I, you know, I, I told you about a, a, a lady I knew many years ago. She came up to me, uh, and, and uh, she said, hey, I, I, I need to repent to you. I go, okay, you know, well, what about, you know? She said, well, you know, 
you remember, like, and it was like three years, like at least two years, maybe three years ago that we were having a conversation. And, and she was going through some difficulties in her life. Uh, and, and she said, nobody even cares that I'm going through this. Now, I'm, I remember the conversation because uh, I'm, I could tell you exactly where I was standing, where, where she was standing. Uh, we were in a church. Uh, and um, I remember the conversation. And I remember thinking, well, okay, well, she's not talking about me because I care. You know, I ask about how she's doing, you know, and, and I cared, you know. Uh, and, uh, and so she, but I said, so why do you need to repent to me? She said, because I was talking about you. I'm like, oh, well, see, I didn't know. Amen. Uh, you know, for me, I try to live my life like it, 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 where I'm really sensitive to the Spirit of God. And if I do something wrong, I mean, immediately I'll know, right? But if I don't do anything wrong, I'm just going to go happy, you know, go happy through life, you know, not thinking, what do you think they thought about that? You think that, you think that offended them? I, I, don't, I don't give it a second's thought. I mean, I know my heart. It was not to offend. And look, I, ha- I know I have offended a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people, a whole list of people without any desire to offend them. I mean, people get spitting mad at, you know, at me, you know, mad at me. And I, and I had no intent to offend them. Well, see, then, and I don't, you know, I don't, you know, one thing I learned years ago is, I don't, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to offend you. And on a rare occasion, I might say that, but for the most part, well, why do I need to offend? I ain't done anything wrong. I mean, if, you know, to, to, to say that, you know, I'm sorry that I offended you, that's not really correct. I mean, if I was going to be correct, is sorry you're such a child and you got offended at my statement, you know, maybe you should repent. That would really wouldn't go over so well, so I typically wouldn't say anything, right? And so, uh, but, uh, so she took offense at something, you know, I, well, she was taking offense at me and I didn't even do anything. Uh, and, and, and so uh, that has been uh, an unfortunate uh, common part of my life. <laughs> so I don't know why it is, but um, uh, I remember when I was in high school, I, I was, you know, in high school, you're, you're basically indentured servants to the high school, and you got to sell stuff, right, and make money for the high school, even though you get tax money, but, but apparently that's not enough. And so you're, you go out and sell stuff to make money for the school, right? You're unpaid labor, unpaid interns. And so I was selling candy bars, whatever you're selling, candy bars, whatever, you know, going door to door in the neighborhood, knocking the door, you know. And, and I went to this one, she was like a, a next door neighbor, like real, right, literally right next door knocked on the door, and she was, you know, a thousand years old, I don't know how she was, you know, but, you know, high school, everybody's old, right, and so, you know, she was an older person, and I knocked on the door, hey, would you like to buy a candy bar? No. Okay, fine, you know, no, no problem, you know, and she said, besides that, you're a horrible person, you know, you, you see me, you won't even talk to me, you ignore me, you know, and I'm, I'm like, I'm a child, I don't know, I could talk to some, you know, to an old person, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but just, you know, you're, you're not my, you're my, my grandmother, you're not my aunt, I don't know you, I'm not going to just strike up a conversation with you, and uh, and because and, I, I was pretty shy, and, and it was a big step for me to knock on the door, and, and so she just, I mean, read me the riot act, and, and I went home and just pouted for a day, it's like, what did I do to this lady? I don't even know this lady, and she was so offended at me, and later on I found out that she was, she was basically an alcoholic, and she might have thought I was somebody else, I don't know, but uh, but I still took it personal, and so, but I have forgiven her since then, and, and so, uh, but people can take offense, amen, but see, the thing is, if it happened a minute ago, it's time to be over it, amen, forgetting those things which lie behind, amen, uh, you, you, you have to do it, you have to be aggressive, because it, it see, if you just, uh, some, uh, one, one phrase my pastor loved, he said this so many times, he said, time and distance does not equal repentance, See, some people say, it's just going to take a while. That is a lie from, from the pit of hell. 
it doesn't have to take a while. Because when you say it takes a while, what you're just hoping is that you forget about it naturally enough to where you're not thinking about it. But what, hap but, but, uh, what will happen is if I came and stirred up that memory, you'd just be just as real to you. You know, uh, just like anything, you know, if it just, uh, uh, a lot of things, uh, it'll dry out just on top, but underneath it's still festering. Uh, and and don't, don't, me don't touch it, right? Because if you touch it, then all that stuff comes back to life. And so you just leave it alone. But it's still there. You haven't got rid of it, but you're supposed to get rid of it. And so if it's yesterday, if it's an hour ago, if it's a year ago, it needs to be over. Paul said, you've got to forget it. One thing, this one thing I do, uh, you've got to forget it. Well, that's the, the first thing to forget is what people have done to you. And, and you know, for me, what, what I have said, this is one of my, my, one of my common confessions that I make just over my own life. I said, uh, I say, nobody has ever done anything to me. I say that all the time. Nobody's ever done anything to me. Well, have you heard any of my stories I've ever talked about what they did when I was at the other church? They're terrible stories, right? I mean, people, sometimes people are like, you know, I don't even believe that. You know, that's why my friend Jerry's here because, yeah, I was there. I saw it all. It's all real, right? Uh, but see, as far as I'm concerned, the way I live is it, it, just like it never happened. Now, the stories are, are interesting because, you know, who, who does that, right? Who, who does those things? Uh, and there are things in your life, too, that nobody would really believe that somebody did these things to you. Uh, and so, uh, but I'm going to live as if they never happened. I just choose to live. I forget those things. You know, they're not, they're not real to me. I don't, you know, if I'm not talking about it in, in, a, in a service like this, I, don't, I never think about it. I never dwell on it. I never think about, well, oh, yeah, that person right there, you know, I can't believe they did those things. Just, it just never crosses my mind. Just never think about it. Why? Because it's not real to me. It's not, it's not part of my life. I've forgotten it. Amen? Uh, and, and so can you do that? Well, you have the capacity to do that. And we talked Sunday that, that the way to do that is, is to be aggressive in your forgiveness. You've got to be, you gotta be, I mean, just almost rude about your forgiveness. You know, Lord, I'm, Lord, they're going to be forgiven. And, and I always add uh, asking the Lord to forgive them on, on behalf because a lot of times we'll leave the Lord's part off because we're like, well, I'll forgive them, but Lord, I hope you get them. You know, that, that's kind of, we kind of, you know, I, I'm going to forgive them, but, you know, whatever the Lord's will is, you know, uh, Lord, thy will be done. Uh, no, I'm going to tell the Lord what I desire his will to be. I desire, Lord, for you to forgive them. On my behalf, I'm asking you to forgive, forgive because, you know, not only do I need to forgive them, because, see, if somebody does something to me, if somebody does something un unkind or cruel to me, there's two sins involved. Always a sin against the Father first. Every sin is a sin against the Father. No matter what you do to somebody else, it's always first against Him because you violated His Word. And secondly, what you've done to somebody else. So there's, two, there's always two things involved, amen? And so I would deal, deal with it between me and them in my heart. Lord, I forgive them. I pardon them. I choose to forget it. I choose to ask to, uh, to remove that out of my heart. Um, and then, Lord, uh, I am asking you to forgive them. Take it off of their account. And see, I can't bring it up again after that. Lord, don't you remember what they did to me? He'd be like, and I, see, I don't do that. But he'd be I thought you asked me to forget about that. See, Michael, I did forget about that because you asked me to forget about it. So why are you bringing that up? See, don't ever bring it up with the Lord. Lord I, just, I, just, I, I just can't forget it, Lord. Well, then you're saying the, the Scripture is not so. You're saying that the Scripture uh, is, uh, is something that you cannot do. Amen. So can you do that? Well, you can do that, right? The second thing you've got to forget is what you've done. <clears throat> you ever done anything wrong in your life? Can you forgive yourself? Can you pardon yourself? See, a lot of times people, the easiest thing in the world for them to pardon everybody else in the world except for them. And, and what happens is they will bury themselves and never lift their head up again 
to, to assist the Lord in any capacity because they've done wrong. Well, if the Lord hasn't taken you home, then you need to be working on the earth. Now, I understand that sometimes your actions that you do can have uh, ramifications. You know, if I got mad, just left this church, and you went and hired another pastor, and I get, you know, I, I repent after a week and come back, and, hey, can I have my job back? Well, sorry, there's a, we can't fire this guy. You know, he's, he's already here. You know, you're going to have to go somewhere else. Amen. And then I'll have to figure out, well, Lord, then I, you know, I've messed that up. Uh, but a lot of times people want, to, want everything restored. Well, you can't always get everything restored. Now, a lot of things you can. I'm not your judge. I'm not going to tell you what you can and can't get restored, but it's better not to do that in the first place. Amen. It's better to not live your life where just, well, you know, sometimes I just got, you know, I just go fly off the handle. I just can't help it sometimes. Well, then you've got to live your life with a lot of regrets in that because there's going to be a lot of doors closed that you want to open back up and they, they can't be opened back up. Amen. You closed them and, and they can't be open. Well, the Lord can open up any door. Well, he can, but it, uh, he won't if it's going to hurt somebody else. He's not going to come and fire this pastor if I quit this church because, uh, you know, I was being carnal and got mad, right? So, so regardless of what you've done, even if there is ramifications of what you've done, can you forget what you've done? Can you forgive yourself? See, did, did it happen a minute ago? Yeah, then I don't care. And, you know, and that's the way I treat people. You know, oh, I'm so, I'm so ashamed. I did this thing. I said, when did you do that? You know, and, it, and see, it doesn't matter what they tell me. Now, if they say, I'm doing it right now, well, then, okay, we've got to deal with that, right? That's why I did it, you know, I did it when I was a teenager. Well, we've got to move on, amen? I did it last week, but you've got to move on. I, I, you know, I, I understand uh, in the circumstances, you've got to find out what really happened, right? If they do, well, they, well, I murdered my neighbor, but, you know, it's been an hour. Well, you know, we can't forget, you know, some things you've got to deal with, amen? But most of the time, it's just, you know, you said an unkind thing, or you got mad, you quit a job, or you know, whatever it is, amen? And uh, I, I know when I used to work at jail ministry, we'd get people uh, that would come to the church on occasion after they got out. And without exception, all the people that I talked to, just, they were so ashamed that they went to jail. Well, well, you're here. What's the matter what you did yesterday? You know, Brother Randy, he was in jail and did terrible things. You know, he's forgotten it all, amen? And he'll tell the stories, but it's not part of it. He hasn't constrained himself and said, I'm unworthy, right? Remember what Paul, Paul said he did terrible things, right? Paul did a lot of terrible things. Uh, and he acknowledged them, but he also called himself uh, Paul, an apostle of God, called of God. Never had a problem with saying who he was. Uh, what's that? I have wronged no man, right? You remember the story when, when Kenneth Copeland was reading that? Kenneth Copeland was reading that, and I remember I was watching the TV show when, when Brother Copeland told the story. He read that story, and he, would, he got mad. He said, Lord, I've caught Paul in a lie. Because had Paul wronged any man? In, a, in one way, one sense, he had. A lot of people, right? Stephen, of course, was, was the one that we knew by name, where he stood there and approved of and watched over them as a stone Stephen to death. An innocent man did nothing, right? And, of course, according to Jewish law, uh, Paul was guilty. You know, you're not supposed to stone an innocent man, but, you know, he did. He watched him, and he, for all intents and purposes, he was right in there, right? Accomplice to the murder. Uh, and yet, he said, I, you know, I'm not wrong to anybody. Well, you know, how can you live that way? This one thing I do. Yeah. See, not only what other people have done, but what you've done. You know, and even now, you know, I think about, there's things that I did. I told you when I was in high school, I was thinking about the other day, because I've, I've got a 40th anniversary coming up, and I've got a winning streak so far. Uh, or 40th uh, uh, class reunion, right? 
you've got winning streaks, I've never gone to any of them, right? Because uh, all the people I liked in high school, I still talked to them, and, and I didn't like anybody else, and so, you know, it, it's, uh, uh, but, um, uh, yeah, I think about some of the things I made, you know, you think that person will remember that thing I did in high school, you know? And again, it wasn't like I was stealing anything, it just, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend stuff, you know, and, and um, whatever, uh, whatever the things were, uh, and, um, uh, you know, there are things like that that you wonder, have I really forgotten that? Because a lot of things I forget that I'll do, especially uh, where I'm at today in my life, because uh, number one, I'm going to do my very best to live a life that's honorable to the Lord, and if I make a mistake, you know, I'll fess up, and, and you know, you can ask all three of my kids, have I ever repented to my kids? And the answer that all three of them will say is, yes, I have repented to all my kids. And then I move on. <clears throat> you know, uh, when, when uh, my oldest one was in, she was in, uh, <clears throat> I guess she was in first grade. And she was always a well-behaved kid, but she got in first grade and she kept getting, the teacher would send these red cards. If you did wrong, you know, you got called down three times, you got a red card. Uh, and so that means you're, you, three times, you know, you've been doing things wrong. And so she started bringing home a lot of red cards. And I, and I said, look, yeah, Amory, you've got to straighten up. Okay, all right. I said, look, if you get another red card, we're going to have to discipline you. And sure enough, you know, she did, and, and we spanked her. And then we, uh, but see, later on, we found out that, that the teacher was just one of these super picky, super, you know, strict, because second grade, she went in there, she's perfect, never, made a, never got a red card the rest of her, you know, childhood at all. But in first grade, she's pulling them out crazy. And, and, now, she didn't become this awesome person from first grade. She was a good, a, good, uh, a good child, no problems at all, really, at home. And I thought, well, is she just different at school? And so and I repented to her. I said, sorry about that, Amber. I, you know, I didn't know. You know, it just, uh, you know. Now, we didn't just every single time, you know, but, uh, but more than once, I'm sure I disciplined her, you know, uh, for doing those things. Uh, and so, uh, but you ever made a mistake as a parent? Anybody, any parents in here have made a mistake? Oh, you're all perfect, right? Nobody's ever done anything right. No, we've all made plenty of mistakes as parents, right? And you look back, oh, wow, wish I hadn't done that. Uh, just like we talked about Sunday, me leaving Jared in, in the car, you know, when he was, you know, just, I mean, he's in a, he's in a car seat, right? So he he's, can't even walk yet. And so, um, like, well, that's his fault. You know, he should have been louder. And, and so it's not my fault. I never did repent about that, Jared, because it's not even a thing, right? So uh, you still holding against me? He brings it up, right? You forgot me three times in my life. You still remember that? Like, it seems real to you. Maybe Jared needs to forget those things which lie behind. I have. Like, hey, I want a big deal. Uh, and so what have you done? What have you done? Have you made any mistakes in your life? You've got to move on. It doesn't mean that you, that you haven't learned from that. doesn't mean that you weren't repentant of it. doesn't mean that you're not sorry for that. But you have to move on. If you, if you live in that, you will build an altar at that mistake of your life, and you will bow down and worship at that mistake maybe all the rest of your life. And you will, you will constrain God's ability to use you in this natural life. And a lot of people have sidelined themselves and, and put themselves in self-imposed jail and, and are of no value to the Lord because I made a mistake. Not because I, you know, whoever the person is that made the mistake. I made a mistake one time. And, and I'm unworthy for the Lord to use me. I thought if he forgave you, because 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to do what? Cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If he's cleansed you and you're clean, well, then why are you hanging on to that? Amen? Learn from it. Repent of it if you need to, right? And look, everything that you ever do to somebody doesn't mean you have to go and apologize to them. Right? You've got to find out sometimes... It would be unwise to go and repent to somebody because they may shoot you for, you know, 
because you made that, that, that thing. You've got to find out from the Lord. There's, there's no scripture that says you've got to go and apologize to somebody. You know, the word apologize is not found in the, in the word of God at all. So you've got to find out in your own heart what you need to do. Lord, what do you want me to do? I know when, when uh, Dodie Osteen, she was, she was uh, diagnosed with uh, terminal brain cancer, and uh, the doctor said, there's nothing we can do. You're inoperable. Go home. Uh, put your house in order. You're going to die. Well, you see, she's Dodie, Dodie Osteen, right? She, she grew up in Baptist church and he got uh, filled with spirit and got the left foot of fellowship. And of course, her husband, John Osteen, was a great man of God. She'd heard all the word, right? And then all the teaching about healing. And so first thing she did, she wrote letters to everybody and their mama that she'd ever have any conflict with at all. Hey, I just want, just, just making sure I get every base covered. I want no, on my side, I want there no, to be no errors, right? Now, you know, did she get responses from all of them? I, I doubt she did, uh, but she probably got some responses from some of the people. But she wanted to make sure on her side that she was good, amen, because she counts herself, right? She took inventory of things, at any infraction, you know, and she may have already repented for some of those things, but, you know, sometimes uh, you, ever, you ever been reminded of something, you've done a mistake, and you repent a second time? You know, I mean, 20 times, 100 times, you ever repented for the same thing 100 times, you know? Uh, uh, well, you know, we got to move on. But, but sometimes, you know, for me, if it's still real, it's like, well, there's still just a little bit there, so I'm going to just, just to make sure, you know, but I've got to move on. Amen. I can, if I'm still doing it 20 years from now, I, I need to grow up in that, that area. I need to forget that. Amen. So can you forget your mistakes? Now, see, other people may not forget your mistakes. You know, you make a mistake and then you go see somebody, oh, it's you. Yeah, but, you know, I've repented since then. And, you know, you should give people an opportunity to repent. Uh, not to you, but just give them an opportunity to change in their life. They may not be the same person today that they were when they did that terrible thing to you. Amen? And see, if you remember them as they were, then, then you're not living like the Lord lives. Amen? He lives the way you are today. And so uh, what happened yesterday? I don't know. Uh, and, you know, for me, if you tell me that you did something wrong, you know, I was an adulterer, uh, you know, I lied or cheated, I stole something, I was thrown in jail, you know, I did this terrible thing. You know, we used to have an evangelist come to our church, and he was a, a drug dealer. He called it heroin. Right? It was heroin, but, you know, uh, on the streets, you know, called it heroin. Uh, and, and he'd talk about the heroin that he, that he was a drug dealer with. And, and for him, it wasn't any big thing. I mean, it wasn't like he was glorifying it, but it was, I did it. But, but it wasn't a shameful thing. Some people, if they ever talk about their, it's so shameful, they still, they can't even talk about it. Well, they haven't let it go. They haven't, they haven't forgot it, amen? To them, it's so real and it's so shameful that they still, and I understand there's some things, you know, you probably ought not bring on in public, right? Uh, if you stole your grandmother's milk money or something, well, you know, it'd be best just not tell anybody that because that's a terrible thing to do, right? Uh, but you can still repent of that. Uh, but, you know, a lot of things, you ought to be able to get up and say, well, I did this, amen? I've told you the story about, this lady, she, she was, uh, uh, lived in, in the, as a lesbian, lesbian lifestyle for many years, and then just got the revelation that this just isn't, this isn't right. And she got born again, got saved, right? And, and, uh, and then started dating men and ended up dating uh, and marrying a pastor. And, he, and they were at a church, and he was, it was like some denominational church. Uh, and, um, uh, and so he went to apply for this position. Well, he went back in the, in the, in the back room with the elders or whoever was on the board to make the decision and the wives were out just you know chit-chatting and so well you know so the wives of the elders were just talking to her too well tell, tell us about you know where you come from what you do you know 
So I used to, I used to live as a lesbian, you know, but I've repented, and, and um, you know, now I'm, I'm Christian saved and all these things, you know. And to her, it was, you know, it was yesterday. And all, you know, all the oxygen was sucked out of the room when all the women went, ah, don't ever say that. Don't tell anybody that ever again. I'm like, why? I've repented. I'm not living that lifestyle anymore. I'm literally married to a man. But for them, even though it was yesterday, and they didn't know about it until she said anything, they, they couldn't forget it. Well, you need to forget other people's sins. If they tell you, hey, I used to be a drug dealer, oh, well, okay, fine. You know? Now, some people want to glorify their sins. Amen. Uh, people have tried to do that against me. You know, what have you ever done in your life? You, 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 ever, you ever smoked any weed? No. Well, you, 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 you know, you, what, what about a cigarette? Not even smoked a cigarette. Never in my life. Not, not even one. You know, I, I sucked up a lot of secondhand smoke, but, but never uh, uh, even uh, took a single drag out of a cigarette. And, and they look at me like, you know, you haven't even lived. You know, you, you, you. I'm like, whatever. You know, your sins don't impress me. Amen. Uh, your sins or lack of sins don't impress me. Amen. Uh, and so can you forget what you've done? And, and can you allow other people to forget what they've done? Amen. Because if you're a, if you're a sincere Christian, you're, you're going to be convicted of your own sins. Amen. Now, a lot of Christians, are, they're kind of hard-hearted. You know, they don't ever listen to the Lord. But a lot of Christians are sincere. They make sincere mistakes, and, and they're sincerely repentant of it. Let them change. Let them, let them be that way. Uh, and, but for you, you've got to forget it. Amen. You've, and that's for, I think that one is, is maybe even more difficult than what other people do to you sometimes. Uh, can you forgive yourself? Can you forget with that? The, the last thing to forget is what have you done that's successful? What have you done for the Lord? Or what have you done that, that has been successful in your life? Uh, what ha, where has the Lord used you? Uh, and, and, uh, and I know we've got to go here, but this one, I thought this was important enough to mention it. Um, you know, one of the things, uh, like, uh, I listened to Brother Hagin, and after a while I was listening to Brother Hagin, and he would tell some story about, you know, the, uh, it, uh, January of 1950, you know, I was in Rockwell, Texas, and the Lord Jesus appeared to me. He spoke to me for an hour and a half, talked to me about this, 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 you know, about, uh, he said, I'm going to teach you about uh, devils, demons, and evil spirits. And he goes on and talks about what the Lord told him, right? And, and so, but I'm thinking, you know, I'm like, well, hang on, hang on. The Lord Jesus appeared to you. Can we back up and talk about that, right? Back up and talk about the Lord Jesus appeared to you, right? In an open vision, you know, uh, not just in a, in, a, you know, in a spiritual vision, but open vision like he's like he just sitting right there on a chair. Uh, and, but he could tell the story, and the story wasn't about him. It was about what the Lord Jesus taught him. And then other people, you'll hear them tell uh, a, um, uh, a testimony, and it's all about them. Jesus appeared to me. Footnote, not you. He appeared to me, footnote, not, you know, because I'm more spiritual than you are. And, and you could hear in the tone of their voice that it's all about them because they, to them it's real what they've done. Look what I've done. Look how important I am that the Lord Jesus would appear to me. The Lord Jesus used me the other day to, to speak to things. And look, uh, most people when I talk to them, uh, I've heard lots of people tell me testimonies, and, and it's a good testimony, right? It's just, hey, the Lord used me to do this, and, and that's fine. But every now and then people have a hard time uh, of giving a testimony and it's about them and what they've done and how the Lord used them or what, they, what the Lord did on, you know, through them for somebody else. Uh, and, and see, if you haven't forgotten that, because see, when did it happen yesterday? Well, then you got to forget it. You know, nothing, nothing wrong with telling. I, I don't have any problem with all people giving testimonies, but it has to be uh, uh, forgetting about what you've done. You can remember what the Lord Jesus did, but, you know, you're just a vessel. Or you're made out of dirt and clay, right? 
Uh, and for me, that, for, for my personal self, because I know myself and how backwards that I grew up and how that I really needed the, the approval of people. And that's an area of, I've always been actively aware in, the, in, that, in that area of my life that I don't want to bring attention to myself. I'm going to, and I don't, you know, I can't say I've always been perfect about it, but I, it's an area that I'm very aware of because uh, I, I think about, you know, uh, some of the stories like Brother Hagen that, you know, some of these amazing stories he's had, and I ask myself, what would I have done there? What would I have, if that happened to me, what would I have done? And he tells a story where he had oil appear in his hands, right? Supernaturally, oil appear in his hands. Uh, and, and he said, you know what I did? He said, I put my hand in my pocket. Yeah. Did you tell anybody? No. He didn't tell anybody for decades, decades, right? 20, 30, 40 years in the ministry. He didn't tell anybody that I happened. Just put his hand in his pocket. I see, what would I have done? What would you have done? We've got oil coming out of my hands. The Lord wants to pray for everybody right now. Come up here. We've got supernatural oil coming out right now. But see, if the Lord didn't tell him to do that, and apparently the Lord didn't tell him to do that, he said the Lord didn't tell me to do anything about it. So I just did nothing about it. But would we have started the, the right-hand oily ministry? Right? Would we have written a book about you know, the oil from my hand? Would we have gone on the TV shows and the talk shows and the podcasts and tell about the oil? The oil came out. It, it, was, it, was, a, it was warm and, and thick and and it came out so slow, and, and I mean, just, you know, dramatized the whole thing, and, but it would be all about me, right? It's all about my hand, what the Lord put in my hand. Uh, can, can I forget that? Can I forget these things as if it's unimportant? Now, see, he told the story later on after like 50 years. I mean, 50, can you imagine 50 years, right? Uh, he'd tell the story about when, when he was born, that uh, his mother was pregnant with him, and she was on the way. She, she'd been sick, and she finally decided to go uh, and go to her mother's house to just for the sake of the baby. And between her house and her mother's house, the Lord Jesus appeared to her in a cloud. He came down on a cloud about uh, eye level, the story goes, and spoke to her. He said, fear not, the child shall be born. And thou shalt call his name. And Brother Hagin would tell the story. He'd always leave a, a blank. Thou shalt call and leave a blank. Boy, what's supposed to call his name, right? Well, see, he didn't know the story. That's what happened. And they named him Kenneth. They named Kenneth Irwin. Irwin was the, the doctor that delivered him. Uh, and, uh, and he was like 30 years old, and the Lord Jesus appeared to him and said, I, want you, I need to show you how, uh, things related to your birth so you understand what, what I've called you to do. And so the Lord Jesus told him the story. This is what happened. I appeared to your mother at this point in time. I told her these words. I said, Thou shalt call his name. And he left a blank in the story. It's, if you read the book, I Believe in Visions, from Brother Hagen, one of the visions is, is that story. And then he called his mother. Hey, did this happen? What, what did he tell you that I was supposed to call you? And he told her, that's exactly right. That's what he told me to call you. Why did you call me that? It wasn't, what he was, he was, it wasn't Kenneth. He left it blank. He, he wasn't supposed to be called Kenneth. He was supposed to be called something else. Anybody know what he's, what he's supposed to call? Anybody know? Know the story? Uh, Dora does. Uh, and so I'm going to leave you hanging. I'm going to take it right to the edge, and I'm going to tell you right in a second. But... Um, and so, but see, he, he, he knew the story when he was 30 because Jesus appeared to him after, after his mother, right? 30 years after he was born, the Lord Jesus told him the story. Well, he finally told the story publicly in like 2002, something like that, 2000, 2002. So he died in 2003 at the age of 86. So he held it till told nobody, for like, you know, for 50 years after he knew the story. 
publicly. Now, you know, privately he would tell a couple of people, but publicly in the books and in, uh, in teaching, never told the story. And finally, he's, you know, the Lord said, he said, uh, the Lord said to call him John. He was supposed to be called John. He said, for, for just as John the Baptist was a forerunner uh, of my first coming, uh, you and really the message that I'm teaching you is going to be a forerunner for my second coming. And so the things that Brother Hagin taught us, you know, faith in the name of Jesus, blood of Jesus, all those things are, are part of our, uh, of our doctrine. Amen. I mean, we, uh, everything we teach comes from the foundation of so much of what he taught us. Amen. Uh, and faith in, in those areas. And so, but can you forget that? Can you forget what you've done? Can you forget the wonderful things you've done? Now, look, you can bring them up, but if they're so real to you, like, in case you didn't know, the Lord did this for me, right? Oh, the Lord got me this new car. Do you see it? It's such a wonderful car. It's better than your car. You know, it's such a good car. Uh, you know, it, people struggle with that sometimes, don't they? So you've got to forget it. You've got to forget it. You've got to forget Any blessings the Lord given to you, after a minute, you've got to forget it. In the sense that, it doesn't mean anything. Amen. You're, you're, the things you do do not earn you favor with the Lord. Amen. Even the things he does for you. So, so that, and that's the first thing that he tells us to do. We'll look at the other things there. But, but can we forget? Can you forget what people have done to you? Can you forget what you've done, the mistakes you've made? And can you forget the wonderful things you've done? So you've got to forget. Uh, you know, now, Paul, does he list some of the wonderful things he get? You know, he said, uh, uh, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, right? Pharisee of the Pharisees. And even later on, he talks about as, a, as, a, uh, as an apostle that he, he labors more than them all. I, I work harder than all the apostles. But he could still say that in the right heart, you know. If it's necessary to say that, well, fine. Uh, but see, you have, to, you have to count yourself, right? You have to look at your own heart. Can I say that and it not be about me, even though it's about you, right? I mean, I tell the stories of things that I've done or the Lord's done through me or even the, the mistakes that I've made. But, but I always judge my heart. And, and there have been once or twice I go home and say, Lord, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, that, that I, I, I went further than I should have. And so I, so I brought attention to myself. And I repent to the Lord. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I repent. Because uh, as soon as I know, uh, Lord, I, you know, I'm not going to do that again. And I may never tell that same story again. Or, but but I'm gonna, my goal is to where I can tell the story, but it not be about me. Uh, and I'll work at it. Because... Paul said that uh, uh, the, uh, the only way I can, he says it in context of me arriving, right? Of me achieving perfection. I can't achieve perfection if I hang on to yesterday in any capacity. Amen. So do you want to be perfected in this life? Do you want to, whatever the cost, right? Uh, whatever the effort that's required to do that. And that means if you have to never tell a story about something that the Lord did for you, that's supernatural, spectacular, beyond imagination, like Brother Hagin, Right. Lord Jesus appeared to his mom and he tells nobody about the specifics of that, some of the specifics of that for 50 years. It's pretty amazing, amen? And that's why, things like that is why I like Brother Hagin because he could do that. I, I know very few people who have the capacity to do that, amen, without it being about them. So let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, you, you told us that, that uh, if we're supposed to forget those things which lie behind, Father, then we have the capacity to do that. Those things which people have done to us, Father, those things that we have done to other people, and Father, even the good things that we've done and received of you, Father, we will forget all of them. We'll forget everything, Father, and it'll be no more real to us, Father, than, than reading an anonymous story in the newspaper. And Father, we ask you to show us if there are things that we've held on into our lives about how wonderful we are or how put upon we have been uh, uh, or even the mistakes that we've made. 
Father, show us because there are a hindrance to our life. There are a hindrance to us being perfected. And so, Father, we thank you that as you do that, we will, we will deal with it. You will give us the grace and the understanding and the wisdom to, uh, to do that, Father. And, Lord, we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready and receive this evening's offering. You know, one of the things that uh, um, it's, it's always best, if you can, deal with things in private. Amen. Uh, and really, just if you need the Lord, if you need help, you know, of course, you can always call me, but uh, uh, if you need help, you can go to somebody. But some people always feel like they've got to air everything out in public. And the problem with that is, yeah, you may be able to forget, but can that person? Do they have the grace to forget about what you've done? And so you've got to be careful about, not that you're trying to hide anything. You know, if someone can, hey, did you do that? Well, yeah, I did that. You don't have to lie about it. Uh, but, um, uh, but you've got to be careful about airing all your dirty laundry in public because a lot of people, they don't have any grace at all. Remember, everything you've done, well, I can't, I can't ever listen to that person anymore. Oh, you're perfect? I didn't realize she's perfect, right? And so just be careful about those types of things, amen? If the Lord tells you to do that, that's fine, but uh, don't feel compelled that I've got to tell everybody everything I've ever done. I don't want to hear about it, amen? Did it happen yesterday? i got no interest in knowing about it. Uh, and so come ahead, Mr. Jared. Uh, <clears throat> and so... Uh, it does take some work to do that, amen? Uh, and, um, you know, a lot of times people will say, and I'll just tell my wife on this one, she really struggles with, <clears throat> if she says something to somebody, she'll, she'll be second-guessing herself for a year. You think it was okay I said that? You, know, you, you think it bothered them? You think it offended them? You know, like, well, did you mean to offend them? No, well, then you've got to move on. Amen. I, I think it bothered them. Well, did you intend for it to bother them? No, then why are you thinking about it? See, see, part of it is because I've worked in that area a lot of my life, you know, and because I uh, talk to a lot of people and a lot of people get offended, so I've got to make sure that I have no intention to do that, amen? But I move on. If I say something without intent to, to, to offend somebody and they still get offended, I, I don't lose even a wink of sleep over it. I, I, I'm not uncaring. I just, I just, I got to move on, amen? I didn't do anything wrong, amen? Now, Lord, you want to talk about it, we can talk about it. I have no problem talking about it. But I, I got no compunction to go run around and tell everybody I'm sorry for everything that you might have perceived that I did wrong. I mean, you know, I mean, you know people, it would be all the time, amen, just never ending, amen. And so we're not uncaring, amen, but we're going to forget everything that, that if it happened a minute ago, it's over, amen. We blessed, don't forget we have uh, prayer Friday night at 7 p.m., and uh, we'll see you later.